Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. We just got back from Belize last night around midnight and uh, had a great trip. We'll tell you more about that later uh, in the month. But... uh... You had a great team that win. I just want to say unbelievable how hard they worked. Uh, very special team and very, very proud of each and every one of them. But uh, since I've gotten, what, six, seven hours of rest since then, uh, we're ready to go. Hey, today is Father's Day, and we want to recognize all the fathers that are here. You know, it's interesting that one of the ways that Jesus described God, the number one way Jesus referred to God uh, was Abba. And Abba is more than fava or something like that, you know. Uh, Abba was the word that a young child used uh, for its male parent. It was the word daddy. And that was the way that Jesus described God. When he would pray, he'd pray, daddy. And he would start talking to him, that, that intimate, personal relationship that Jesus had with his heavenly father. So I want to recognize all the fathers that are here today. Uh, but first of all, uh, if you are here today and your dad has passed on and is no longer with us, we want to recognize them as well and, and, the, and all that they have done and meant in your life. So if your father is no longer with us, would you simply stand and, and be recognized as a tribute to them at this particular time? And you look around the room and uh, you see the number of people uh, that that affects. And uh, so I want to, first of all, have a prayer for everyone that is standing up right now. Let's have a prayer. Father, we see in this room right now people who are standing because uh, their dads have passed on. And uh, Father, we thank you for them. Thank you for what they taught us, for what they meant in our lives. Uh, We thank you for the kind of people that they were. And Father... Uh, Our prayer is that we would learn from them and continue to grow. And I pray for the people standing here that this would not be a a bittersweet day, but they could remember with joy uh, the good things and and, uh, uh, the wonderful times that they had with their fathers. And we ask your blessing upon each and every one of them. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all. Then if you are here today and you are a dad, would you stand and be recognized right now and remain standing? Okay. These are the the warriors that are out there. And you noticed I'm standing too. Did you all notice that? Because I'm a dad. See, that's why I'm standing too. So we wanted to thank each and every one of you. We have a special gift that we want to give you. We are trying to give manly gifts. So we have a bookmarker and a pen uh, that that we're going to to give you today. uh, That's there. Uh, But remain standing until... uh, Uh, You get your bookmarker and pen so they know who has gotten them. And uh, as they are passing them around, uh, we want to have a special prayer uh, for all of our fathers who are here today uh, as well. And so as they are passing those out, uh, let's have a special prayer for all of our fathers who are here. Dear Lord, look around this room and see all of these wonderful uh, men who are standing here. Father, we pray that whatever stage in life they are with their children that you would help them to be the best uh, dads that they can be. Give them wisdom. Give them encouragement. Let them know that you love them. Father, help them to be uh, in their children's lives what you are in our lives. And in Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Thank you. So when you receive your, your, uh, your manly gift, you can, you can sit down there. Well, I was uh, reading a survey the other day that was really kind of interesting. 
And uh, the survey said that in the average church, 61% of the church is female and 39% of the church is male. 61% female in the average church, 39% male. Anybody not? not? Okay, I think everybody has gotten one. But then the stats got even worse. On Wednesday night, 75% of the adults that come are female and only 25% are women. 25% of married women in the church attend church without... Did I say something wrong there? It's the live stream, okay? It's, it's intimidating me right here. I want to say hi to the seven people watching at home. Yeah, that are there today. Uh, so... Appreciate that. Uh, but 25% of married women in the church attend without their husbands. Uh, and, uh, and yet, uh, this is really interesting. 55% of men said they would only feel nominally comfortable going into a lingerie store. 55% of men. If you would feel comfortable, man, going into a lingerie store, raise your hand up. No, 55%. I, I've been in a lingerie store. And uh, one time I was in there with Dawn, and, and she's like going rifling through the, the, the bras and underwear and everything at the Victoria's Secret sale. And I look up, and there's two ladies from our church standing there in the same aisle. And I said, just the person you wanted to see at the bra sale at Victoria's <laughs> Secret. You know, that are there. 55% of men said they would feel comfortable in a lingerie store. Only 39% of men said they would feel comfortable at church. So the church has a man problem. What, what is going on here? Uh, why is that the case? And I think one of the reasons and what's happening with the male problem that we're having with churches today is that a lot of times we only present one side of Jesus. And we talk about Jesus being kind and compassionate and loving and gentle and peaceful. And all of those things are true. And they're a part of who Jesus is and we need to know it and, and, and proclaim it. But there's another side to Jesus as well, uh, but we don't often talk about that side of Jesus. And so for a lot of men, the Jesus that they hear about all the time doesn't have a lot of things that draw them to him. Uh, the Jesus that we talk about is kind of like some weird uh, yoga maharashi or something. Here's some pictures of, of Jesus that, that we have here, you know. Uh, you know, well, you know, yeah, that, that's what I'm thinking. Or this, oh, yeah, you know. Uh, and, and this, oh, he's got the little lamb here in the next one. So I was thinking, well, if that's the case, maybe some men are looking at this and saying, well, that's not what, what attracts me or that's not what gets me. I don't understand, you know, what, who's this Jesus that you're talking about? Because men, some men want to think of a man as being a man's man. And what's a man's man? Well, this is what a man's man is right here. Uh, take a look at that. That's a man's man, you know. You don't need a rod and a reel to go fishing or something like that. You know, you just go out and you do it. Uh, I've got a picture here of some real men. These are real men, okay? That, that's who they are, you know. If you want to know what a real man is like, this is what a real man's like. That, that's, that's a real man. And if you want to know what the ultimate man's man is, it's this one right here. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, yep, yeah. You better believe it. That's the ultimate man's man when, when it comes to it. And look at that, even wearing that, that Jaguar t-shirt. I mean, you can't get, can't get any tougher than that. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at several different scriptures this morning. And we're going to talk about the fact that Jesus was a man's man. But sometimes we miss that. Uh, and and, and both sides of Jesus must be taught. But sometimes we only look at the one side. So let's look at seven things that show that Jesus was a man's man. The first is over in Matthew chapter 2. 
Matthew chapter 2 down in verse 13. And what we see is this, is that Jesus grew up in tough circumstances. He grew up in some tough circumstances. Now, now a lot of time when we think of manly men, you know, they, they grew up and it wasn't easy the way they grew up. Uh, how about Batman? You know, Batman, oh, sure, his, his dad was one of the most powerful people in the world, but he saw his mom and dad murdered. And when he came back, he was an avenger. He was called the Dark Knight because he grew up in some tough circumstances that was there. Well, Jesus grew up in some tough circumstances. Look at chapter 2, verse 13. When they had gone, and talking about the wise men, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there, at, for I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to try to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and fled for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord said through the prophet, out of Egypt I had called my son. When Herod realized he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under from the time he had learned from the Magi. So Jesus grew up in some tough circumstances. From the day of his birth, people were trying to kill him. Uh, Herod sent out, and as a matter of fact, Herod killed every baby in an entire town trying to kill Jesus. And so Jesus and his family had to flee to Egypt. When they finally came back to Israel, the son of Herod was on the throne and they were afraid to go to their home and they went out in the middle of nowhere. They went as far away from civilization as you could get out in Galilee to a little nowhere town called Nazareth so that they could be away from those who were trying to kill Jesus. And then when Jesus grew up, uh, you know, he was from a very poor family. As a matter of fact, when Mary and Joseph had Jesus as a baby, they had to use the exemption uh, for the offering. When you had a child, you're supposed to present an offering to God, and they were supposed to present a lamb. They didn't have enough money for a lamb, and they had to present a dove because they were very poor. So a very poor family, uh, people were trying to kill their son. And then Jesus grew up a carpenter's son. I don't know if you know much about carpentry in that time. That was tough work. And most carpenters were also stonemasons. So the carpenters in town were known for being very strong, muscular people. So you have this image of Jesus as somehow this, this yoga Maharashi G or something like that. And yet what you have is this carpenter stonemason who would have been very strong, very muscular, grew up in very tough circumstances with everybody trying to kill him. So Jesus grew up in some tough circumstances. If you're an NBA basketball fan, anybody know who Serge Ibaka is? Serge Ibaka plays for the Toronto Raptors right now. But Serge Ibaka grew up in the Congo in some very tough circumstances. His dad uh, was uh, on, on the national basketball team there. And uh, yet then they had a civil war. 5.4 million people were killed. His father was imprisoned. The whole family thought they were going to die. His father escaped prison, got them out to France. Eventually they, they migrated to Spain where Ibaka grew up. Now he plays in the NBA and he'll tell you this. Do I believe in God? Do I believe in miracles? You better believe I do because the only reason me and my family are alive is because of God and miracles. Here's a picture of Serge Ibaka back home in the Congo uh, right now. So grew up in tough circumstances. A second thing we think of when we sometimes think of, of manly men is that a manly man is confident and in charge. Look over to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Now when I think of a man being confident and in charge, suave and debonair, I think of James Bond. And not just James Bond, 
the Sean Connery James Bond, not all those other James. Thank you, thank you. That's what I think of when I think of a confident, suave, debonair guy, guy who's in charge. I think of that kind of James Bond. Well, what about Jesus, confident and in charge? He cast out demons. He confronted powerful leaders. He taught with power and authority. And look over to Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go to the other side of the sea. And so leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. And a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, and it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're drowning? He got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And then he said to his disciples, Why were you afraid? Don't you have any faith? And they were terrified. And they said to one another, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now you talk about being confident and in charge. Here's Jesus on a fishing boat with fishermen. Now I'm not talking about going down to the river with your rod and reel and trying to catch a bluegill. I'm talking about hardened fishermen who are, who are used to anything you could see on the Sea of Galilee. And the storm is so terrifying that they, can't, they thought they think they're going to die. This is it. We've been out here before. This is a storm we're not going to survive. And Jesus is sound asleep. And so they go and wake him up. And what they say to Jesus is, because he probably must have had a little attitude when they woke him up, because what they say to him is, don't you care that we're drowning? And Jesus gets up in the middle of this furious storm that hardened fishermen are afraid of. He walks to the front of the boat. He sticks out his hand and he says, wind, stop, waves, be still. And suddenly the wind stops. And the waves are still. And then Jesus looks at them quizzically and says, what's wrong with you? Why were you afraid? Don't you have any faith? And then he goes back to bed. And the disciples look at each other and our scripture says they were terrified. After the storm, they were terrified. And they said, what kind of guy is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. So a guy that's confident and in charge, Jesus was a man's man. Another thing is that he hung out with some fairly rough people. Uh, you know, uh, uh, he didn't just hang out with the religious elite and the good old boys. Uh, Jesus hung out with some pretty tough people uh, uh, in his day. You know, uh, when I think about hanging out with tough people, remember anybody here old enough remember Crocodile Dundee? You know, grew up in the outback when he went to New York City and they thought the mean streets of New York. And then that guy was going to rob him and he takes out his knife and she says, give him, give him your money. He's got a knife. And what did he say? That's not a knife. This is a knife. And then he pulls it out right there. He hung out with some rough people. He wasn't afraid of that. Well, Jesus hung out with some pretty rough people. His best friends were, were hardened fishermen. Now, I don't know if you know much about hardened fishermen, uh, but there's some pretty tough people uh, uh, that are out there. In his disciples were tax collectors, but also zealots. Do you know what a zealot was? A zealot was somebody that was fighting the Roman Empire. They were basically terrorists against the Roman Empire. One of Jesus' disciples was a hardened zealot that had come to faith in Jesus Christ. So he hung out with some pretty tough people. Look over to Matthew 
chapter uh, 9, Matthew chapter 9, down to verse 9. As Jesus went from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he said, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the good people, the Pharisees, saw this, they asked his disciples, Why is your teacher eating with tax collectors and sinners? He's hanging out with the wrong kind of people. These are rough people. On hearing this, Jesus said, It's not healthy people who need a doctor, but sick people. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I haven't come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. So a really interesting story. Jesus leads a tax collector who everybody hated because they were collecting taxes for Rome to faith. He throws a party and invites his friends. And who are his friends? The worst people in town. Uh, prostitutes, thieves, uh, other tax collectors. Jesus is having a dinner with them. The good people say, why is he hanging out with those kind of people? Doesn't he know who they are? And then Jesus says, well, you know, sick people need a doctor, not well people. But it's interesting what Jesus says in verse 13 to the good religious people. But you need to go and understand what that means. So he's getting right in their face right here as he's talking to them. So here's Jesus. He hung out with some pretty tough people. So look back at what some of the things we've talked about. The confident and in charge, uh, tough circumstances he grew up in, hung out with some rough people. Maybe you're here today and what you thought when you walked in was, well, haven't been in church in a long time. I hope that roof doesn't fall in when I come in. And I always tell people, it's okay if the roof falls in, we've got insurance. You know, that, it, it's okay if that happens. Well, I'm here to tell you, if that's what you thought when you walked in here this morning, it's okay. Because those good Christian people that you're sitting around, if the roof didn't fall in when they walked in, it's not going to fall in when you walked in either, okay? I guarantee you that. Because none of us are in this room because we're good people. We're in this room because we've got a good God who loved and forgave us. So if you grew up around some rough people in some tough circumstances, it's okay. You've got a God who did the exact same thing. Another thing we see about Jesus that shows he was a man's man is he didn't shy away from a fight. He didn't shy away from a fight. When I, when I think of not shying away from a fight, this is what I think of right here. This picture that's going to come up next. Yeah, that's what I think of with not shying away from the fight. You know, wide Earp and, and Doc Holliday and the boys marching on down to the OK Corral. They're not going to shy away from a fight because they're manly men that are there. Well, Jesus never shied away from a fight as well. We think of him as mild-mannered and, uh, and, 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 uh, and, and meek and gentle and all that. Jesus was constantly at odds with the religious leaders of his day. Man, read some of the stuff Jesus said. Go back to Matthew uh, 23, and Jesus basically calls the Pharisees every name in the book. Uh, uh, he goes right after him. He constantly is confronting authority and those in charge. He never shied away from a fight. Look over to John chapter 2. John chapter 2. And we have a perfect example here of uh, this going on with Jesus. Down to verse 12. John 2 verse 12. How about verse 13? Verse 13. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others sitting at a table exchanging money. So let me explain what's going on here. The... Pilgrims would come to the temple to worship. 
And when they got there, most of them had come from out of town. And so they couldn't, you know, carry a lamb on their shoulder all the way to town or something like that. And so when they got there, they would have to purchase the necessary sacrifices. And so there were people in the temple that were selling the necessary sacrifices, incense, doves, uh, lambs, whatever. But they also came with all different kinds of money. And so there were money changers there who would say, okay, I'll change your money over into the currency we've got and all that. Well, they were charging an exorbitant fee. The people that were selling the doves and the lambs were only selling really poor quality stuff and trying to make a big profit off of it. And Jesus goes in and basically in the temple of God, what he see is, is a freewheeling marketplace where people are being ripped off. So look at what Jesus does in verse 15. What he does is premeditated. So he made a whip out of cords. He sees what's going on. He goes over and sits down and gets some hard cords and makes a whip out of it. And afterwards, he drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get there, get out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. And his disciples remembered it was written, zeal for your house has consumed me. So Jesus makes a cord, a whip, and he goes and he begins to whip the people who are abusing the temple of God. He breaks open the stalls and frees the cattle and the sheep and everything and the doves and sends them down. He overturns the money changers' tables while he's beating them with a whip. And do you know why he did it? Because he was mild-mannered and gentle. That's why he did it. He did it because the zeal of the Lord consumed him. And so here is Jesus uh, showing indeed that he uh, would not shy away from a fight, uh, that he was there to stand up uh, for the things of God. There will be times in your life when you're going to have to stand up. It's not always going to be easy to have the faith that you have. And it doesn't mean taking a a whip of cords and beating people. Sometimes it just means you're going to stand for your faith when nobody else is doing it. When everybody else is doing something else, you're going to go the other way. You talk about being strong, that's when it really is going to have to be strong. And so just as Jesus didn't shy away from a fight when it meant something for the kingdom of God, we have to do the same thing today. A fifth thing we see about Jesus being a manly man, he took the side of the hurting and the oppressed. He took the side of the hurting and the oppressed. Man, how many of those old movies where you see the manly men out there, are they standing up for the hurting and the oppressed? Anybody remember the old Jewel Brenner movie, The Magnificent Seven? Well, there was a new movie with Denzel Washington, y'all might have remembered. But here they are, man, seven people against an entire, uh, you know, big group of people who were abusing a town. They weren't going to let it happen. They were going to stand up and fight for the hurting and for the oppressed. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Look over to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, verse 1. We see this going on with Jesus. Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath day. 
So there's a guy in there, he's got a withered hand. And what they say is, oh good, Jesus is going to come in. If he heals him on the Sabbath day, we'll accuse him of working. And therefore we can, we can do something to make Jesus look bad and condemn him. Because you weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath day, they said. So Jesus comes in and he sees this man. Now, let me ask you this question as we get started. Do the religious leaders care anything about the man with a shriveled hand? No. All they want to do is to accuse Jesus. They don't care at all about this guy who is hurting and, uh, and in the synagogue that particular day. So keep reading verse 3. Jesus said to the man with a shriveled hand, stand up in front of everybody. Do you know why Jesus had him stand up in front of everybody? Because he was meek and mild-mannered and didn't want to cause any trouble. That's why he did it. No, because he was more than willing to confront what was going on and stand up for someone who was oppressed. Verse 4, then Jesus asked them, the good religious leaders, do you think it's lawful on the Sabbath day to do something good or to do something evil? Would God rather you save a life on the Sabbath day or kill someone? But they remained silent. And he looked around them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. And then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. You see, he wasn't afraid of the confrontation, but what he cared about more was the person who was hurting. And he was going to do something to hurt the, to help the person who was hurting, even if the people in the room meant, we're going to try to kill you now. Because he was going to stand up for the hurting and the oppressed. It will be very easy in your life not to do that, to just think about yourself, just go along with others. But God cares about those who are hurting more than anything else. And when you in your life help someone else who is hurting, you're doing exactly what Jesus did. He wasn't afraid of the confrontation. He wanted to help those who were hurting and oppressed. Now, with all of that said, Jesus also had a caring, loving side. Uh, he was strong. He was all those things. But all the stuff we talk about with Jesus, he still had that caring, loving side and that caring, loving nature. But some of our greatest heroes of, uh, of those old movies we talk about had a caring, loving side. Here's a perfect example right here. Yeah, John Wayne had a dog. Anybody remember what his dog's name was? Dog. That's right. That was his dog's name. He would say, come on, dog. And the dog would come on. So, you know, even John Wayne had this caring, loving nature that was there. We'll look over to Mark chapter 10, verse 13. Mark chapter 10, verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place hands on them. Now, isn't that the sweet Jesus we talked about earlier? They're bringing children to Jesus so he can place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. The disciples said, look, Jesus is a big time religious figure. Important things are going on here. He's talking to important people. Get these kids away from him. And then look at what happens. Verse 14, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. And he said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belong to such as these. Now, Jesus is showing that he loves and cares and wants the children there. He's also getting in the face of the disciples. The disciples who were saying, hey, he's doing important stuff. Get the kids away. Jesus said, hey, don't keep the kids away. 
you important disciples, you need to learn that's what the kingdom of God's like, not what you're doing, okay? They've got more of the kingdom of God in them than you do. So, you know, even right here, he's being a little bit confrontational uh, with his own disciples. And then he goes on uh, in, uh, in verse 15. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. He took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. So here's Jesus. He takes these children in his arms, those strong, muscular, stonemason, carpenter arms. He hugs those children tenderly and caring. Jesus did have a loving, caring side. We never need to forget that. And then finally, when we think about Jesus as being a manly man, he willingly sacrificed himself for others. He willingly sacrificed himself for others. Anybody here see the movie Armageddon with Bruce Willis? Oh, yeah, I remember at the end of it, they needed to set off a nuclear bomb to blow up the, the asteroid to save planet Earth. And, and uh, Bruce Willis goes out there holding an American flag and blows up the planet himself to save the world. Now, that's tough, you know. He's going out not just to blow it up. He's going to carry an American flag with him when he does it, you know. Uh, so he, he was a real tough guy willing to sacrifice himself for others. Look over to John 19. John 19, verse 9. Jesus willingly sacrificed himself for us. You know, sometimes we think the cross kind of took God by surprise, but the cross was God's intention all along. Because what God knew was that the only way that we could find real forgiveness was to have our sins taken away because God's good and perfect. And he took our sins and they were placed upon Jesus as he died on the cross for us. Jesus wanted to go to the cross. He wanted to die on the cross so that we could be forgiven. Do you remember when they first arrested Jesus and Peter took a sword and cut off one of the people's ear who was attacking them, trying to defend Jesus? Jesus told Peter to stop. And then he turned around and he said something interesting to Peter. He said, why are you doing, why are you trying to defend me? Don't you understand that if I wanted to, all I'd have to do is say one word and 12 legions of angels would wipe this planet out. So, you know, I'm doing exactly what I want to do. You don't need to protect me. I'm fine. You know, I'm okay. And then look at what he tells Pilate over in John chapter 19 down to verse 9. John 19 down to verse 9. So Jesus before Pilate. And when Pilate heard these things, he was afraid. And he went inside the palace. And he asked Jesus, where do you come from? But Jesus refused to answer him. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said, don't you understand? I have the power to free you or to crucify you. And Jesus answered, you have no power over me at all if it had not been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a far greater sin. So here's Pilate coming to Jesus and saying, don't you understand? I can kill you if I want to. And Jesus said, you couldn't do anything to me unless I willingly let you do it. Jesus went to the cross because he loves you. He went to the cross dying in your place. He sacrificed himself for you. It is the greatest example you will ever have of Jesus being a true man's man. You know, we've talked this morning about several qualities of Jesus, and sometimes we miss these qualities. And yet they're right there. They're pretty obvious. Uh, they're all around us. 
And we need to somehow pull all of this together. Because Jesus was kind and forgiving and loving and gentle. But he also didn't like hypocrites. He didn't like people who, who abused the name of God for their, own, for their own good instead of for God's good. He had no patience for that at all. You know what was amazing about Jesus? He had incredible patience and forgiveness for people who were away from God and were sinners. But he had almost no patience for good godly people who were hypocrites had no patience for that at all. And you just see it over and over again in the scripture. So as we come to this invitation time, what I want to say to you is look at Jesus in the, in the total picture. He wants to love you, forgive you, restore you, but he's also in charge. He is the God of this world. He is the almighty savior and he has the power to heal you and to strengthen you and to encourage you. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you that the God that we worship is so much more than one little box that we might put him in. Jesus is so many things that we need today. And my prayer is that for each person here, wherever they are, that they would find that part of Jesus that they need this morning. And in your name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, my WRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.